Hey, everybody. This is Ben Thompson. Welcome to Flashpoint. This week, it's a Flashpoint flashback when we look back at some of our more memorable interviews over the last year. This time, we're going to focus on the inauguration of Joe Biden and our coverage of that afterwards. We had Congresswoman Alma Adams on. She was there in the crowd in Washington, D.C., and she spoke of its historic nature. Of course, you had the first time you had a, a female vice president being sworn in, first woman of color, first woman of Asian descent being sworn in as VP as well, a, a series of firsts. It was also, also a socially distant inauguration. You had members of Congress spread out over Capitol Hill watching the ceremonies. It was quite surreal for a lot of folks. And also keep in mind, it was just weeks after the January 6th riot. We spoke to two people on both sides of the issue about how we were going to move forward as a country with, with nerves so frayed after that riot. So here it is, this Flashpoint flashback from January 2021. Joining me first today, North Carolina Congresswoman Alma Adams. Congresswoman, thank you for talking to us. Well, thank you so much for the invitation to be with you again. It's uh, it's great to see you. It's good to see you as well. Um, you, you were at the inauguration uh, on Wednesday. First of all, give me your, your sense of, of what it's like. Few people ever get that opportunity. What was it like? Well, clearly it was a celebratory moment. Um, uh, it, it was cold, but yet it was a good cold. Uh, people gathering and having an opportunity to uh, share as the music was playing. The, 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 of course, the scenery is outstanding. The flags and all the ambiance of, of the of the, the occasion uh, was just uh, simply outstanding. Uh, everything was social social distance. And so, so if you had a guest, you and your guests had to have uh, COVID tests, everybody there. So, you know, you felt somewhat safe in, in that regard. Uh, and inside the whole area was, um, I mean, people were uh, very joyful about what was uh, going to happen. And it was, it was just a, a great opportunity, not only to be there, uh, but just uh, to, to just be in that environment, um, knowing that uh, things were going to change, that we were going to turn a page uh, for a promising new chapter in our country. So uh, this transition of power was a little different uh, for many Americans, but it was still something that we were waiting for and looking towards. We know the president has signed a, a list of executive orders early on dealing with things like the, um, the, the the border wall and immigration. And some Republicans have already come out and said, well, this is not the way you're going to start off if you're going to try to be um, sort of a, a unified America going forward. Is, is that a fair critique? Well, I don't think it is. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of sour grapes on their part. Uh, I think, first of all, we have to give this president a chance. Uh, he has come with a message of hope and unity, and I think if we uh, would set our minds to that, then uh, we could uh, do what needs to be done for this country. Putting putting the coronavirus aside and economic relief aside, because I understand those are the most uh, sort of emergent issues facing the country right now. Uh, just as a, as a proud Democrat, what would you be? What would be your number one priority for this president? Whether it be the Voting Rights Act or whether it be uh, Equal Rights Act of some sort, what, what would what would be your number one priority once we get past this pandemic and economic crisis? Well, I think um, uh, health care, uh, making sure that we um, that, you know, we've seen with the pandemic, all of the disparities that exist. I think if we can help people stay healthy, get healthy, be proactive in that regard, uh, making sure that um, we get the infrastructure that we need. We have a, 
a host of things that need that needs to happen. Getting our kids back at school, uh, but we're not able to do that uh, until it's safe to do it. So uh, I think um, it's uh, what he's done is pretty ambitious, but uh, his plans are pretty ambitious. But I do think there are things that we need to do and things that have been uh, delayed for, for a while. So I'm looking forward to it. People have got to be able to get uh, the, to, to have the, um, be able to sustain themselves and their families. So making sure that we put uh, some stimulus back into this community for our, our cities, our towns, for people to live day to day. You know, people have lost jobs. So uh, we've got a lot of work to do. People have suffered. And I think we have an opportunity now to, uh, to help them to move a little bit above that. You do have a lot of work to do, um, specifically folks over in the Senate as well, because there's going to be sort of dual tracks. There's going to be um, uh, sort of legislation that the president wants, but there's also going to be uh, furthering this impeachment. And this week, you actually penned an op-ed in USA Today urging United States Senate to convict Donald Trump at his impeachment trial. And also, not only that, but prohibit him from holding public uh, office in the future. Part of it said, quote, I'm putting it up on the screen here, impeaching Donald Trump, convicting him in the Senate, removing his ability to stand for office again, successfully prosecuting him and his co-conspirators in court, and holding to account our House and Senate colleagues who enabled this madness. All of these steps we must take to demonstrate our commitment to democracy and equal justice under the law. A lot of folks say, hey, again, this is not the way you start. Um, trying to bring people together, trying to coalesce different fraction, factions uh, of uh, politics and try to move forward. What would you say to those folks? Well, I think that uh, we owe uh, America um, uh, an opportunity to, first of all, uh, clear up what has happened and uh, to, to make sure that we keep our democracy intact. Uh, the president um, uh, was um, uh, was was instrumental in uh, creating uh, uh, this um, insurrection, and um, no one is above the law. Uh, we I think we have to correct that as we move forward, and uh, and, and clearly um, because we we set the wrong uh, example if we don't. I want to put you on the spot here because uh, that's the president. Uh, yet yeah, th there were members of Congress. Um, fellow members of the delegation from North Carolina, who, who folks have said really incited um, that riot back on, on January 6th. What should happen to some of those members of Congress? Well, they, they, they too should be taken to task, um, whether they, they're censored or whether um, things are in terms of, of um, committees are, are stripped from them, but clearly they need to, their, their conduct uh, should be a part of this investigation as well. All right, Congressman Elmer Adams. Congressman, thank you as always. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, and you have a good day. Be safe. You too. Take care. This week, South Carolina Congressman James Clyburn getting a bit of a shout out from an unexpected place. That's right. Uh, former President George W. Bush telling him, quote, you know, you're the savior because if had you not uh, supported Joe Biden, nominated Joe Biden, we would not be having this transfer of power today. Of course, that comes after a lot of folks say Clyburn really was the kingmaker in this because uh, at a time when Joe Biden was not getting any traction, uh, Clyburn came out and supported him in the South Carolina primary and changed the course of the primary and, of course, the race as well. Uh, a little shout out across the aisle there from uh, former President Bush to, to, to Mr. Clyburn. All right, gentlemen, uh, what did you think of the inauguration this week? Uh, Douglas, I'll begin with you. 
I think it was I think it was great um, given the current situation that we're in with the pandemic. Um, I think that the president set the right tone for the country about trying to unify us. Um, even the parade across America, um, I thought that was well put together. Um, you know, I'm very optimistic about what this administration um, can do. Um, and like Representative Clyburn said, uh, I also agree with that. I caught a lot of slack in the primary for supporting President Biden early on, and everybody thought that he was down and out. But um, I always joke with my friend this after vindicated about that. Uh, but I think inauguration went very well. Um, it was unfortunate that we had to have um, the National Guard there, you know, to, to protect the city from um, threats. But given all of that, it was good to see um, the transfer of power happen. Larry, what's it going to take to, to, to get the two sides to, to work together? I mean, um, there doesn't seem to be some appetite on, on each side to, to get along. Both people, uh, folks on both sides seem to want to sort of dig in their heels. For, from your perspective, for the Republicans, what's it going to take? There needs to be a repudiation of nonprofits across the country who are single issue nonprofits. We need to start making those nonprofits stop being so loud and stop playing in primaries like they are and stop making issues third rail issues. We've got, you know, there was only, there used to be only one third rail issue in politics and that was social security. Now we've got Medicare for all. Now we've got abortion. Now we've got this. Now we've got that. We're boxing ourselves in and we can't do deals with people who are, who are opposed to us on a third rail issue because there's no ability to compromise. If I had my perfect fix, what I would do is I would eliminate closed primaries. I would make it so that anybody who identifies with a party, whether they're registered with a party, can go and vote in that party's primary. And then that way you'll be able to see. And we have to encourage more participation in primaries. I'm going to come at this from an electoral perspective. We have got to encourage a louder voice of our country in the part of the party selection where individuals are picked. If that's going to become something we're going to keep, we have got to start to allow this. South Carolina is the reason, yes, I'm going to go back to Doug's point, that Joe Biden won. But let's be clear, there were a lot of Republicans in South Carolina that went and voted in that primary for Joe Biden. There were a lot of people who were unaffiliated or independent in South Carolina who went and voted for Joe Biden in that primary. So again, yes, Jim Clyburn made a huge difference in that state, probably propelled Joe Biden to the presidency, but it was the voters. It was voters who were not the traditional far left Democrat socialist base who were going to sit there and elected Joe Biden president. So again, let's start to open this up. We can't keep we can't keep selecting who runs on either side of a two-party system with 10% of the vote, because I'm going to be blunt with you. I don't trust some of my own party members, and I certainly don't trust a lot of their party members to select individuals who are in the best interest of this country. Larry, I really do think you should be more animated sometimes. <laughs> well, I really, um, I, I, Douglas, a quick response. Yeah, so um, going back to South Carolina, as somebody who has organized there um, with the Obama campaign back in 08, I can tell you that it was African-American voters that helped uh, 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 save the candidacy of Joe Biden. And even he um, has said that. So <laughs> take it from somebody who was organized down there, very hard state to organize in. Uh, it was African-American voters that got Joe Biden um, across the finish line. Somebody said to me recently, oh, my gosh, this is the most divided we've ever been as a country. I'm like, no, we're not. This is we're no more divided than we've we've been before. We now have politicians and members of the media who found out to capitalize on it and exploit it and make us think that we're so divided and that we hate each other rather than hating them. Um, so that's right. Well, I'll give you a good example, Ben. I actually deleted Facebook off my phone. That was my New Year's resolution.
Just I'm tired of hearing people complain. That's that, I want to hear solutions, not okay. complaints. Okay, no, can't, no more time to, for you to claim, complain either, Larry. Sorry. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you. Have a great week. Hope you've enjoyed this Flashpoint flashback. I'm Ben Thompson. Thanks for listening. See you back here next week. And, of course, we'll always see you on TV on Wake Up Charlotte every weekday morning, 4.30 a.m.